0: A good night of Shabbos to our friends and members of the West Mount Shul. This is Parshas Ki This month's Shabbos, we begin Slichos, and one of the highlights of Slichos is the Vidui, is the confession. We're in the we're in the home stretch, as they say, and I'd like to achieve an ambitious goal with this talk, and I'd like to bring back confession to Yiddishkeit. What do I mean? Most people attribute confession to Catholicism, and they think it's a job of the priests. But I believe it's time to bring it back to our people. And I'm going to ask of each of you that during the following week, you should make at least one confession. Now, before you dismiss my plea, allow me to explain myself. And let's take a look in this week's Parsha and Kisavo. We begin with the Mitzvah Bikurim that every year Jews bring Bikurim first fruits to the Beis Amigdash. And after that we are told of an interesting proclamation that is made every three years. Without getting into the great details we know that in Judaism when we lived, lived in Eretz Yisrael and we had a Beis Amigdash at the end of each three year agricultural cycle uh, every Jew would go to Jerusalem, and there was lots of agricultural gifts to give, Truma Myser Meisrishon, Meisrsheni, my Meisrani, all kinds of gifts where Jews had an opportunity to spend time in the Holy City, contribute to its economy, and learn from its masters. I'm not going to go into the, all the details. However, on the day before Passover, of every fourth and seventh year of the seven-year agricultural cycle, the farmer recites a special declaration. And let me say it in English to you, what it says in the Chumash. Torah gives a mitzvah and says, you shall say before God, your Lord, the following, I have removed all the sacred portions from my house. I've given the appropriate portions to the Levite, to the convert, to the orphan, and to the widow, following all the commandments you prescribe to us. I have not violated your commandments and have not forgotten anything. I've listened to the voice of the Lord my God. I have done everything you commanded me. End quote. Basically, what does God want? God wants us to verbally declare we've done everything right. We distributed all the produce we were required to. We tell God bluntly that we perfectly implemented all of his commandments on this matter. This is, no doubt, an interesting mitzvah. God wants us to compliment ourselves. He wants us to declare emphatically, God, I did it. I did it well. Two questions we could ask. Number one, why must we make that declaration? Hashem knows we did it. We know we did it. What's the point of making this official verbal declaration? Really, there's no other precedent for this in Judaism to literally compliment ourselves before the Almighty. Second question more stranger is what's the talmudic term we give for this proclamation it is called vidui meiser which means the tithing confession yet virtually this recitation is the furthest thing from a confession a vidui a confession in its classic sense means that we admit our guilt and ask for forgiveness. Now, we know we have in Yiddishkeit a number of confessional prayers, most of which we're going to be starting this week. And, and we conclude them you know, on Yom Kippur, the day of confession atonement. And they all share the same message. Ashamnu, Bagadnu, Gazalnu, Dibarnu Dofi. We are guilty, we have dealt treacherously, we have stolen, we have spoken falsely, etc., We confess for the sins and errors that we committed in one form or another, and we express remorse and we resolve to change in the future. Yet in this case, we encounter a quote-unquote confession of a diametrically opposite nature. Imagine husbands or wives, but let's assume the husband, you approach your wife and you say, my dear, I want to make a confession to you. Your wife's ears perk up to hear what you did this time and you continue. I want to confess to you today that I am wonderful, accomplished, flawless, magnificent, incredible, sensitive, kind, caring, handsome, and passionate husband and father. I have fulfilled all my duties. I've been loyal to you with every fiber of my being. I've dutifully always fulfilled all my responsibilities. I forgot nothing. I did not transgress. I've been faithful and dutiful, committed and moral. Alas, I'm a perfect man. (laughs) Well, call this guy any name you'd like, but for God's sake, it's not a confession. Yet astoundedly, this is exactly what we do with the tithe confession. Again, listen to the words. You shall say before God, your Lord, I have removed all the sacred portions from my house. I've given the appropriate portions to the Levite, to the convert, to the orphan, to the widow, following all the commandments you prescribed to us. I've not violated your commandments, not forgotten anything. I've listened to the voice of the Lord, my God. I've done everything you commanded me. And Yiddish K. calls this a confession of idui perhaps if more Jews would know that this is confession, we wouldn't leave this to the art of the Catholics. The synagogue would have long lines every day of Jews coming to confess, telling us that they were absolutely perfect, impeccable, flawless, and faultless. Poor Christians, they think confession is sharing all the negative stuff. Nonsense! Confession is saying, how perfect you are, i have fulfilled all your commandments. So what's going on over here? I'd like to share with you a beautiful insight from Rav Salavechik's Zichrona Levrocha. It is this very mitzvah of the tithing confession that we encounter an incredible truth. It is important for people to verbalize from time to time how good they are, how beautiful they are, how powerful they are, not in a generic, meaningless, and foolish way, and not certainly in an arrogant way, but rather in a very specific, directed, and focused fashion. There's always one area, one aspect of your life in which you are a success story. And you need to be able to see it and verbalize it. And in this above law, the Jew specifies that as far as tithing is concerned, he's done a magnificent job. And this is called confession. You know why? Oh, you could see the greatness of Chazal. Hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years before the development of many psychological schools of healing and therapy, but taught us this real truth. Only when I believe that I am good, I'm capable of regretting my mistakes. If I believe that I'm just a dirty old rat, I can't really regret what I do wrong because I see them as inevitable. But when I appreciate my potential for greatness, I can hold myself accountable for my errors. You see, genuine confession requires not only acknowledging and confronting a mistake, it also requires a belief that you are essentially good, that you are capable of being good, and in some areas, you are exceptionally good. Let me give you a marshal. If I'm wearing a shirt that's filled with stains... And now you pour some orange juice on it, it's not going to bother me. I may not even notice it. But if I'm wearing a fresh, clean and beautiful suit and you spill a bunch of chocolate mousse with vanilla on it, I'm going to take note. I consider similarly uh, in the realities. If I consider my soul dirty and filthy, then I can't take note of my inappropriate and immoral behaviors, my hurtful words or toxic thoughts, because they fit right into my distorted self. Only when I appreciate my innate dignity, my majesty, my purity, can I begin to notice and feel bad about all that which tarnishes that beautiful life I have. You ever hear a couple argue in the following manner? The wife says, darling, you're making a mistake again. Husband responds, Of course, I'm always wrong. You're always right. I'm the dumb, stupid, bad husband who's always dead wrong. You're the perfect wife. You are never wrong. (laughs) Well, we all know that no woman is pleased with that acknowledgement because it's meaningless and cynical. Whenever anybody says I'm always wrong, what does it really mean? I'm never wrong. You are just impossible to please. When anybody says you are always right. It really means you're never right. Sincere confession means that I am sometimes right and maybe often right. But now I am wrong. I'm not always wrong, but it's now that I am wrong. That is what Rav Soloveitchik says. Lubavitcher Rebbe adds the Pusig in Tehillim that says, I am dark and beautiful. Guess is the source for black is beautiful. I don't know. I am dark, anishchara, and beautiful. What does that mean? So, Rebbe explains these are two interconnected sides that's very necessary for personal growth. I am dark. I may have succumbed to darkness and I may have sinned, but I am inherently beautiful. Therefore, number one, I regret what I did, I know that it did not befit me. I am such a better person than that. I want to fix it because this behavior compromises my inherent beauty. Number two, I acknowledge that I had the power not to do it and it was not inevitable and I was capable of choosing otherwise and I regret my wrongdoing. And number three, I know that I possess the power to fix it in the future. I am not a victim. You see, what comes out is to truly confess a mistake or a sin requires that I can sometimes tell God, I am good, I am great, I've done exactly what you wanted, I have not transgressed. Which implies, and because I am capable of doing things correctly, I can sincerely sincerely regret my actions when I fail to do so. So the tithing declaration, the vidu Maestras, is called Confession because it enables and gives meaning to all other confessions of tshuva. And this is such a vital truth for education in the home and in the classroom. Your child comes home with a report card in some subjects, he or she did great in others, they performed poorly, and we instinctively tend to focus on the negative, on what's missing, we try to fix it. But there's a much more effective approach if we would focus on our children's successes and strengths. When you receive a report card and see what he is lacking in, don't say, my dear angel, I see that you need help with the subject. How can I help you? What is bothering you? You're a such good boy. Why are you failing in this area? Instead of that, say this, my dear, I see that you're excelling in your reading skills and science and math. I see you got an A-plus for cleanliness and organization. I see you scored really high on your skill for cooperation with friends and sportsmanships. It's obvious that when you put your mind to something, you're immensely successful at it. Now, how can we apply these successes to your other areas of your education? Your child could be lacking a certain behavior at home, but point out to him all the things he's doing right at home. Say, I notice how well-mannered you are when you eat. I noticed earlier how considerate you when your brother asked you for the juice. I noticed how sensitive you are to your baby sister. This shows how much kindness you really have in your heart. Now, what did you accomplish by saying that? You know what? You made your child feel like a success story. You accentuated what is right with him or her and not what is wrong with them. And you didn't do it in a patronizing way but in a specific, genuine, and real way. You showed him what he, what is what is great about his life, how good and special and capable he or she is. Now he has a standard for himself that will allow him, number one, to appreciate why his past behavior was unbefitting and inspire him to do better. And number two, you will make him believe that he's truly capable of doing better. As I tell the story of the great Balatanya, Reb Schneir Zalman of Liadi was well known to uh, to champion the mitzvah of Pidyon Shavuim, redeeming Jewish captives. He once came to a city that was famous for a particular miser. It seems that this stingy man, despite his considerable wealth, did not want to share his blessings, no matter how worthy or urgent the cause. Rabbis and beggars alike avoided his home, Anyone who ended up at his doorstep and asked was offered a single rusty copper coin, which even the most desperate pauper would throw back in his place. When M'shneir Zalman arrived in the town, he needed money, but he adamantly insisted on being led to the miser's home. The next day, the Rebbe was accompanied by two communal members, and they were standing in front of the miser's mansion. Before knocking on the door, the Rebbe requested that his companions don't say a word no matter what they hear or what they see. Several moments later, they're sitting in a luxurious parlor and the owner was returning from his safe with a small velvet money pouch. The Rebbe explains the circumstances, the great mitzvah of the pigeon shvuyim and the rich man's listening And after the Rebbe's heartfelt plea, the rich man says, Ah, a touching story indeed. Widows and orphans in captivity. Ah, the suffering of the Jewish people. When will it all end? Here, please take my humble donation. And the rich man gives the Rebbe a single rusty copper coin. The others looked away with distaste, but the Balatanya seemed pleased by the gift. He was actually smiling warmly as he put the coin in his pocket, writes him out a receipt. Thank you, Mashem. Bless and protect you always. The Rebbe stood up, warmly shook the man's hand, looking deeply in his eyes with admiration. And now he turns to his two companions and says, Now we must be on our way. We have a lot of collecting to do. And as the three rabbis walked to the door, the Rebbe turned. And bade his host another warm farewell, thanking and praising him in flowery terms. The minute they're outside the door and it was closed, the accompanying rabbis said, Rabbi, you shouldn't have thrown it back in his face. You call that a donation? The Rebbe said, don't turn around and don't say another word. As they walked down the path to the front gate. Suddenly they heard the door opening behind them and the miser called. Rabbi, please come back for a minute. Please tell me the story again. And they tell him the story again. He says, "Oh, I'm really touched here. Here's another donation, and another rusty penny." And you can imagine what the what the other rabbis are thinking about. The rabbi says, "Thank you, thank you, thank you so much." And this story happened three or four times keeps leaving, calling back, leaving, calling back, leaving, calling back. Finally, and there's different versions of the story of how it happened. But eventually, the miser ended up paying the 5,000 rubles, everything that was needed it was necessary. So the astonished companions... When they left, after getting all the money, he said, how did you get that notorious miser to give 5,000 rubles? So Schneer Zalman said two things. Number one, that the coin that everyone threw back at the man in the past formed another crusty layer, another clepa, to this man that he could not overcome because they were just confirming that he was a terrible guy. However, when I accepted from him the coin, I was able to nullify that incrustation and by doing so opened the heart of the wealthy man to give tzedakah. And also he said that man really is no miser. No Jewish soul is capable of stinginess. But how could he desire to give if he never in his life experienced the joy of giving? everyone to whom he gave that rusty old penny of this, threw it right back in his face, but once he got the geschmack of giving, ah, he got the geschmack of giving, so then he wants to do more. That's the point. That's the point. That we have to realize. But The Rebbe focused on his good, and the guy could confess to himself, I am good. And then he says, if I am good, I could be better. And this is why, as we're about to start the, the core of the high holiday season and dealing with all the viduis, we're going to say, we start with this partial kisavok, of vidui, we should start before we do any Hashem Nubagadnos. We have to start with our own vidui maestros our own confession of how good we are. And why? Because most of us are too shy. We think we're arrogant if we say how good we are. We need the same accuracy to confess how good we are so that we're able to say we made mistakes and could be better. So I go back to my original plea. Raboisei, starting today and for the next week, I want you all to make a confession today. Tell someone, your rabbi, your friend, your spouse, something very positive about yourself. One positive thing about your soul and your life. Something that you are proud of, not in an arrogant way, but as a confession. Why? Because when you realize how good and capable you are, you might ask yourself the question at Slichos night or any day of Slichos: why am I not living up to my potential? We deserve to have a Geshmak. It's Geshmak to be a Yid. And to feel that Geshmak and to recognize that Geshmak. And once you've done the confession for yourself, go over to others and tell them how great you think they are. We don't, we have enough negativity all day long, all year long. We got to focus now on the real confessions, who we really are. We really are ambassadors of God who have done great things this year. In so many ways, we have tremendous Kehillah, people who are great in davening, People are great in learning. People are great in chesed. And to realize that maybe certain people who we have not complimented enough, maybe we should shower them with compliments too. But remember, the main thing is to realize how great we are. And if I realize how great I am, I'll be able to confess my mistakes and know since I'm so great, I'm capable of better. And that's not browbeating yourself. It's really being honest with yourself. I give us all a bracha to have real proper vidui, real proper confession, so that we can come into the high holiday period with effective confessions of change. We should all end up with a shana, tova, umasukah for this year. Amen.